Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, August 29th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, GM uses Google AI to handle some OnStar requests. Toyota plans to resume operations after a system failure impacted plants in Japan. And a judge rules Mitsubishi had the right to terminate a dealership plagued with consumer protection violations. Plus, industry advisor Tilo Kozlowski talks about why he thinks not every major automaker will survive the digital revolution. I don't mean that they will completely go away, but that their role will be redefined, not because they chose to redefine it, but because the competition determined how to redefine this. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. General Motors and Google are teaming up to handle some OnStar requests. GM is using Google's artificial intelligence technology to improve voice recognition through its OnStar safety and connectivity service. The technology will also quickly answer some customer questions. The collaboration between the companies can give users turn-by-turn navigation help and improves OnStar's ability to pick up on a customer's spoken request the first time. Automated help with route assistance and other non-emergency requests frees up OnStar employees to handle issues that need human intervention. Google technology is also in chatbots that GM has placed on its corporate and vehicle brand websites. The automaker said it enables conversational responses to customers' questions. GM and Google are also piloting other uses for AI technology. Toyota plans to restart operations at its assembly plants in Japan Wednesday. That's after a production system malfunction brought domestic output to a halt at the world's biggest selling automaker. More than two dozen production lines were impacted. Toyota is investigating the cause of the glitch. It prevented the company from ordering components. The company said it was not due to a cyber attack. In the U.S., a judge has ruled Mitsubishi was within its rights to terminate a New York City dealership. The dealership had admitted committing consumer protection violations in the sale of used vehicles. It and another store paid more than $800,000 in fines and restitution. The judge found Brooklyn Mitsubishi violated its sales and service agreement. He said it's undisputed that the dealership engaged in deceptive practices. Court documents show those included false advertising, falsely stating that vehicles needed repairs, failing to provide customers with legally required documents, misrepresenting warranty terms, and concealing financing terms. A lawyer for Mitsubishi declined to discuss the case. The dealership and its lawyers did not respond to requests for comment. EV battery supplier Redwood Materials has raised more than $1 billion to expand U.S. operations. Tesla board member J.B. Straubel founded the company in 2017. In February, Redwood Materials received a conditional commitment for a $2 billion loan from the U.S. Energy Department to build a recycling and remanufacturing complex in Nevada for electric vehicle battery materials. And investing in innovation will be the theme of the Automotive News Congress in Detroit next month. 
General Motors President Mark Royce and Hyundai Motor Co. President Jose Munoz will headline the event held at Crane Communications headquarters in Detroit on September 12th. Panelists include ZF North America President Martin Fisher, Fox Motor President Diane Maher, and Assembly Ventures co-founder Jessica Robinson. The Congress takes place on the eve of the North American International Detroit Auto Show that runs September 13th to the 24th. And those are today's headlines. Hey, Jamie, when plants have sudden shutdowns like Toyota did, how much does this affect them when it's earnings time? I mean, the shutdown was less than a day, but is this a big deal? Probably not a big deal when the uh, earnings get calculated. You know, maybe if it's at the very end of a quarter, it can have an impact. You know, like you said, it was a short shutdown. But when you see these widespread ones, they do have the chance to take a lot of vehicles out of production. And Toyota's really tight on inventory worldwide. So it is going to have some impact, at least in the short term, on how they run their business. What you usually see with Toyota when they have something like this happen, not that they have this widespread of a problem typically, but if there's a problem that takes down production for a little while, they'll find a way over the rest of the quarter to make those units back up and get their inventory back where it probably would have been in the first place. Ah, So it just sounds like everyone got an extra day off. Coming up, an industry advisor warns that a lot of people have the wrong ideas about modern high-tech cars. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. My team and I went to each car company separately. We sat down and we said, you know, what can you do? What you cannot do? How much time you need? How much going to cost you? And that pay off big time. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is is GM believes in an all-electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they come around to that idea. Find out how and much more. I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero. Available wherever you get your podcasts starting September 11th. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. C-suite auto executives have said it time and time again. Cars are becoming smartphones on wheels. But industry advisor Tilo Kozlowski says that's the wrong way to think about the digital revolution and its impact on cars and trucks. He says automakers cannot afford to make those mistakes. Kozlowski spoke with Automotive News EV reporter Hannah Lutz on Shift, a podcast about mobility. Here's a piece of their conversation. It's interesting to think about the sort of the cockpit of the future and these these concept vehicles that automakers have shown us. They're very focused on the experience of the drive, entertainment, convenience, and vehicles on the market are have you know have similar focuses. 
where automakers are saying that they, you know, should be considered as technology companies or software and subscription providers and setting those building blocks, you know, even before they transition to a fully electric lineup. Are those ambitions something that you think are realistic for these companies who have really mastered selling and manufacturing over the last century, but haven't really um, gotten so deep into things that people in Silicon Valley are, are doing? Yeah, so I definitely believe that the goal and the picture that companies are drawing in terms of making the, the vehicle more entertaining, more, more relevant for people while they're moving from point A to point B is definitely spot on. However, some of those interpretations in terms of the solutions that companies are presenting with regards to that aren't necessarily hitting the mark from my point of view. And I think there's a little bit of confusion going on. You know, every time I hear companies talk about, and especially automotive executives talk about a smartphone on wheels, I start to shake a little bit because that's exactly the wrong interpretation. The car is very unique. It's a unique device platform from that perspective. And trying to copy what people do on mobile devices and pretty much copying this one-to-one -one into a vehicle, i.e. touchscreens, no physical buttons anymore, is the wrong interpretation of this. And what is happening is, is that consumers want to actually converge their digital lifestyles and bring them into any environment that they're in, including them when they're mobile, meaning when they're sitting in a vehicle. They want to have access to the things that matter to them, but in a smart way, especially since I still have to drive and operate a vehicle. I want the car to be contextually intelligent about how it interacts with me, how it enables me to participate in my digital lifestyle, given, again, the fact that I have to operate a vehicle and pay attention because it could be very dangerous if I get distracted. And we're not seeing enough innovations that are really meaningful here. I think there's a lot of trial and error out there where some of the automotive companies are being distracted by mobile phones, other devices that people use and try to copy this again one-to-one -one into the vehicle. That's the total wrong interpretation. It has to be much more intelligent. It has to be smarter. When I was a child, I always had this picture and imagination, I dreamed of it, that I have this ultimate mobile device that carries me from one place to another. And it would look out for me, it would even be able to fly, it would be able to drive on the road, and it would entertain me, show me my favorite cartoons, it would get me to the candy store if I wanted to, and it would take me away if I did something bad and people were trying to run after me. So I think we're getting closer and closer to that kind of picture that I imagined in the past, because cars have to become more intelligent. We see this with uh, autonomous vehicles, for example, which will happen despite the fact that maybe some of those efforts didn't produce the results that companies had hoped for, they will happen. And um, maybe they won't happen at the level where they can be autonomous at every, uh, on every road at any time during the day under all weather conditions, but they will happen. They will become a central element of our life's experiences on a daily basis. And if you live in places like San Francisco, that's already the case today. You see those vehicles with all the problems attached to them, which will be resolved uh, in the future. But to me, Having the car becoming this more meaningful device, almost a companion that connects the dots for you in your personal lifestyle and still gets you to point B, meaning physically getting you from one point to another. That's just an amazing com combination that no other device can really do. And, and again, I believe that ultimately cars will become more meaningful because of this. They're much more interesting because of this, but they do have to adapt to changing consumer needs and desires. And they also have to adapt to the fact that technologies are advancing quickly. My concern is that some automotive companies get a little bit too focused on concepts, which are way far out there and may never see the, the light of the day in terms of really being something that's introduced to the market. And 
I wish the industry would be more pragmatic and really think about potentially even doing um, less of those technologies, but therefore bring them closer and faster to the market, because that would actually help to accelerate the impact that vehicles of that new era will have. What do you think is the best route for automakers to get there? Should they be building something from the ground up that's fully integrated into their vehicle or leaning on a product that they already know that consumers like, like Apple CarPlay? General Motors recently said they will not support Apple CarPlay in some future models. And there was some some aggravation by consumers. I mean, is ultimately, did they make the right choice? Is that the right way to go? Or should automakers kind of look to what their consumers already have and already like? I definitely believe that car manufacturers have to look into what consumers already are using and try to actually take those elements that really work well and interpreting them in a vehicle environment context. And that might mean that if the industry doesn't really have good solutions to connect your your emails, your text messaging, your other information systems into the vehicle easily, if they don't have their own solutions that are really hitting the mark, then you should definitely partner with technology companies in order to extend what people do on other device platforms and bring it into the vehicle, again, with a very specific user experience that's designed for the car. The reason you have Android Auto or Apple CarPlay um, being successful is because the industry hasn't been able to develop solutions that are better than those two other solutions from outside of the automotive industry. And it shows you the dilemma that the automotive industry has. I think the automotive industry obviously does an incredible job at being able to produce vehicles at a huge scale and doing that successfully in, in a healthy manner for the most part. Um, that's something that technology companies have not been able to figure out on their own. As a matter of fact, we know that some of these efforts by some of these technology companies have failed because they couldn't figure out how to do the scaling really well. But at the same time, those companies on the technology side know really well how to interact with consumers and have done a great job providing very sophisticated user experiences and user interfaces and learning from those lessons and applying them again to an automotive vehicle context is the way to do this right. So anybody who makes a decision right now not to use some of these technologies must have a really good solution in the pipeline that is better than the other stuff because otherwise I just don't see how that would resonate with customers. It seems that the automakers could be nervous about giving too much of the customer experience away or giving giving away too much of the customer data in some cases. What do you think is the right approach there? I mean, is there a way to navigate that while still partnering with the brands that consumers are, are already used to? And of course, you're absolutely right. This is the reason why companies are a little bit reluctant, right? Because you're physically and virtually handing off the keys over to a technology companies when it comes to customer data, maybe even vehicle-specific data. And there needs to be a balance in this. Again, in an ideal world, a vehicle manufacturer would master this and would do it so well that no other technology company would even have any chance to impress their own customers, right? So that's not the reality though. So you do have to find a balance. And finding this balance is a general topic and recommendation that I have for the automotive industry. This transformation that we're talking about, the car becoming this ultimate mobile device in a digital era, requires that you work with partners. And this typical approach the vehicle manufacturers in the automotive industry has to look at suppliers just won't cut it. Um, because here you really have to replace a supply chain with what I call a value-adding ecosystem of companies. Because car manufacturers are good at building cars, they're beginning to expand 
to go move beyond the vehicle by thinking about services, maybe even introducing other capabilities that are not limited to the vehicle itself, but might be more mobility related, for example. But that's a slow journey, which I wish some companies would do faster because I think it's important to ensure success in the future. So you have to work with other companies that are out there. And the big technology companies have their own agendas, of course, but there are also smaller technology companies out there that you also need to partner with because they may have very capable technologies that will allow you to advance as a vehicle manufacturer your own plans of where you want to be. So finding that balance and having a very strong focus on an ecosystem strategy that embraces your partners is one of those key aspects that will ensure success going forward. The other one is that you really think about how to prep your organization to the extent that it's most effectful in, in all of this. I actually believe, and this might sound harsh, but I do believe, and I'm actually convinced, that some of the traditional vehicle manufacturers will not be successful in this new digital era of the automobile. Not because they lack the funding, the investment capabilities, but because they lack the organizational agility that they need to have in order to embrace this change. And that's very difficult to do in an organization that may have been in existence for over 100 years, where you have pretty strong structures. You know, the automotive industry is known, unfortunately, for silos. And there's a reason why we had silos. There's actually a benefit to this, because if it's about scaling an organization, you have to have silos so that you get really good at certain aspects of the manufacturing process. Now we're talking about technologies that actually are more horizontal by nature. And now these silos are in their way of actually embracing and making these changes happening. So the CEOs that will be successful in the future are the ones that can actually make the organizations agile enough to embrace this change. And that, to me, is the biggest challenge that automotive companies will encounter. It's not the money crunch or not having enough resources. Of course, that's a big investment as well. But it's the ability to change the personality, the attitude of their organization. And I just don't see that happening fast enough. And that's why the doors are open right now for new companies to get into this space. New EV companies out of uh, California and other places in the world, but in particular also companies out of China. How many of our traditional automakers do you expect to you know, not be in existence anymore in the next couple of, of decades because of this? I don't have an exact number that I can give you, but I'm, I'm keeping a close eye on a, a couple of companies. And I, I work with investors as well, institutional investors, private equity firms, uh, VCs, etc., who are also interested in understanding where they should put their investments into. And I can tell you already that some of them are not necessarily impressed just because it's a traditional vehicle manufacturer in order to make the investment, which is really interesting. So it's already beginning to change. But I do believe that there might be a 10% casualty rate among traditional vehicle manufacturers. And by casualty, I don't mean that they will completely go away, but that their role would be redefined, not because they chose to redefine it, but because the competition determined how to redefine this. And that's why I always tell people, this is not the time to think of going back to basics, which used to be always this mantra that a lot of vehicle manufacturers used when there was uncertainty in the economy, uncertainty in terms of consumer demand. This is not the time for this, which makes it even more difficult because you actually have to double down on embracing technologies into your automobiles. Again, not to overload a vehicle and turn it into a smartphone on wheels. That's not what this is about. It's about choosing the right technologies that have the most impact on your customers and on your business model, ultimately. And there will be a lot of missteps along the way. I do believe that services will become very important for the automotive industry, but I'm not convinced 
that having a subscription for heated seats is the right way to do this because that's not the right mindset that people are looking for. Turning the vehicle more into an experience lounge where I can consume intelligent and immersive audio in addition to having information being connected to the car while I'm driving and making sure that my, my calendar is being updated based on me encountering a traffic jam, for example, informing people, this intelligence and contextual intelligence, those things become more and more important. That requires vehicle manufacturers to literally think outside the box, outside the vehicle, in order to make these things happen. Otherwise, they pretty much will always lose to the technology companies that kind of own this space. Tilo Kozlowski is a board member for ARB and a longtime industry advisor. He spoke with our own Hannah Lutz on Shift, a podcast about mobility. You can hear their full conversation on Shift wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer and Alicia Anderson. Today's episode included reporting from Lindsey Van Hulley and Eric Friedman. You can get the latest news on court decisions, company collaborations, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about one of the world's largest auto suppliers and its net zero emissions targets. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.